You're listening to the really useful podcast. This is the tech podcast for technophobes from makeuseof.com. Welcome to the show. Thank you for downloading us. This is the really useful podcast. My name is Christian Corley. His name is Gavin Phillips. How are you doing, Gavin? Doing very well, Christian. Yeah, very well. Had a really good weekend. Um, took the kids bowling for the first time ever. I've never been to a 10-pin bowling alley, so uh, so that was really good fun. Wow. I um, I mean, it's not something we haven't done, but we haven't done it since many years ago, before, before the lockdowns and all that sort of thing. We actually got a uh, voucher. Something happened. I can't remember what happened. I think maybe there was a power cut or... A, a ball exploded or something. I don't know exactly what it was that happened, but they, they gave us a voucher so we could go back another time for free. And that, that expired in 2020. So, aha, uh-huh. yeah, classic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so much like they knew. Uh, anyhow, so uh, we're here with your weekly dose of tech news that matters and some tips and tricks to help you make better use of your tech. And once we've done that, we've got a couple of recommend. Well, I've got a recommendation. Hopefully, Gavin also has a recommendation. Uh, We will kick off with a cryptocurrency scam. Now, uh, if you have been in tune with um, events financially over the past few years, you'll know that cryptocurrency has uh, had a bit of a boom time and then it's kind of like slipped down a little, shall we say. Uh, There's various scams doing the rounds that are uh, aiming at people with not enough knowledge about cryptocurrency. I think that's fair to say, isn't it, Gavin? Yeah, definitely. These ones target people who might be new to cryptocurrency. But you know what? Equally, um, people who would probably consider themselves um, fairly okay with crypto in general definitely fall to these sorts of scams as well. And so what's happened here is on Reddit, there was a scam set up created uh, so they've created a fake subreddit, which is like a forum on the actual website itself. Uh, and if you clicked a link that was posted on this forum, it would connect to your cryptocurrency wallet um, and it would effectively transfer all of the cryptocurrency. In this case, they were targeting something called Shiba Inu. Mm-hmm. Inu? Inu? Um, and they would steal all of your funds. And once your crypto is gone, there is no way of getting it back. So, um, yeah, pretty nasty stuff. Yeah. So, um, I mean... Pretty much the case is, um, you know, you see claims of uh, crypto airdrops, you keep scrolling, basically, don't you? Because they're not, they cannot be trusted. No, for sure. I mean, some of them are legitimate. Like some of the, some big cryptocurrencies have launched through uh, airdrops. But um, most of the time, it's used as a as a marketing yeah, it's, tactic. It's it's a tainted uh, it's a tainted thing, isn't it? Really, I don't I, I can't see anyone legitimate going down that path in future because of scams. Oh yeah, for sure, it's becoming less and less uh, less and less used, and it'd be like you know, there's thousands of cryptocurrencies launched each year, uh, each year, and many of them only exist for a handful of months, and it's a good way for the people running them to get it out to a load of people bump the price up nice and fast uh, and then they can sell their holdings you know once the price gets to whatever point they deem acceptable so 
yeah, you, you likely see them as part of like pump and dump schemes or rug pull, uh, rug pull schemes. Yeah, yeah. So we'll move on. Uh, Elon Musk has teamed up with Body Shop to release a range of for now he hasn't. <laughs> One day he will though. One that'll day. be our that'll One be day. our day. Yeah. <laughs> he has confirmed more delays for Cybertruck. Uh, everyone apparently wants a Cybertruck. Um, I don't, but um, I don't know why you said that, Gavin. I really don't. Um, but uh, <laughs> when will we see them on the road? Well, according to Mr. Musk, he was speaking at uh, Tesla's uh, end-of-year financial report and telling everybody uh, how amazing Tesla have done over the last year. They've made loads of money, as you would expect. Um, but he dropped the bombshell that the Cybertruck, which is what a lot of Tesla fans want, um, it was meant to be launching sort of midway through this year, 2023. Uh, and he said... Basically, uh, we don't know when production is really going to start. Uh, and his words exactly is, I don't know, maybe sometime this summer. <laughs> Which, you know, in his very sort of Elon Musk way of saying, you know, it could be absolutely any time. Um, the smart money says probably some cars, uh, Cybertrucks released towards the end of 2023. But we're definitely looking more at 2024 now. What, I have to ask is a Cybertruck, exactly. Uh, so it's Tesla's take on, you know, a modern truck. Uh, it looks... It does look extremely futuristic. In my mind, it also looks really, really silly. It's <laughs> a, it's an odd-looking machine, uh, and I'd encourage the listener to go and have a little look at uh, the, the article referring to this, because it's got a nice picture of the Cybertruck at the top of it. Um... Uh, I don't quite know how you would describe it, Christian. Maybe you could do a better job. <laughs> uh, it looks like a vehicle from Transformers the Movie, 1986 animated version. <laughs> Brilliant, yeah. Uh, it's meant to be, you know, it's, it's an electric truck. It's got various features that people who are into electric vehicles want. It's meant to be bulletproof and stuff like that as well, I believe. Right, um, it's just in case. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a strange looking machine, but apparently this is the future we're going to live in. You know, it's like a triangle on wheels, basically. Yeah, yeah, it's a pyramid on wheels. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, so uh, that's uh, the Elon Musk latest. Uh, Thirty-seven million customers have had their data exposed in a. I mean, it says huge here. Um, I would say massive. Massive is yes. bigger than huge, isn't it? Uh, T-Mobile breach. Thirty-seven million. That's a that is a lot, isn't it? I mean, that's got to be all of T-Mobile's customers, surely. Oh, who knows? Well, maybe in the US. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, it's bonkers. And what what makes it worse is it's not their first first issue, is it? It's not their no. first uh, massive data breach. That, that I mean, in twenty twenty one, a data breach exposed the data of forty million former and prospective customers. Are we? I mean. Um, some have probably left following that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still, I don't know about you, Christian, but I, I, you almost become a bit numb to this sort of news, don't yeah. you? Because and we you, shouldn't. We shouldn't, and that's the problem with it. But you read the headline and you're like, eh, you know, I mean, I'm not a T-Mobile customer, but everybody who is is going to have to go through the rigmarole of, you know, changing passwords, checking credit cards, you know, all that stuff that comes with it because a company isn't doing what they should do with people's private data. Yeah, it's a good um, 
It's, it's a good case in favour of pay as you go, isn't it? Really. Yeah, for sure. You know, just a a pay as you go SIM card, no contract, no relationship proper with the company. It makes more sense in a way, doesn't it? It does. It does indeed. Um, uh, I mean, there's very little that anyone affected by this can do other than the whole usual shebang of uh, changing passwords and uh, maybe finding a different provider. But, you know, I mean, there's a, every chance it could happen to a different mobile network. Oh, yeah, for sure. You could change, but... Uh... You can change, but you can't hide. That almost brings us to the next topic. <laughs> <laughs> in, a, in a roundabout sort of way. Meta is bringing back Trump's Facebook and Instagram accounts. I personally find Donald Trump to be hilarious. <laughs> so in, not in a not in a not in a sort of he knows he's hilarious sort of way in a kind of you know he's u.s politics to me is a massive clown show so apologies american listeners but it, it is a bit of a circus to anyone else watching i mean after all you made a tv show about it yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah i think uh, it was always inevitable to me that he would eventually come back onto all of these platforms you know yeah. obviously he's he's now back on on twitter although he's obviously not using it he's sticking to um truth social which i believe he has some sort of deal with that he will only post there to keep their numbers up or whatever so he's making money from that um it would be interesting to see if he takes a similar tact with facebook and instagram if this deal with truth social will stop him from posting on these networks as well mm. um and i know he had a presence on facebook and instagram but it was nothing like his relationship with Twitter, which during his presidential campaigns was obviously, uh, um, during his presidency as well, was one of his way main ways of communicating and uh, and what have you with his supporters. So um, it'd be interesting to see what happens from here. And I think he has been reinstated on Twitter as well, hasn't he? But I don't think anything has uh, transpired there. No, absolutely. That's why. So he's. I, I think he's exclusively on the the true social. True social. Thing that, yeah. That he owns it, doesn't he? Or as far as I'm aware, yeah. Or he yeah, so, has a holding. Yeah. So either way, he's, he's you know he's keeping it to his own network, which makes sense because he wants to get the 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 eyes on his own network and the advertising that comes with that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So 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 that's happening. So you know, I mean, on one hand, it might be that you don't hear anything from the former president of the United States on Facebook or on Instagram. On the other hand, uh, you might. We just we suspect it's probably the latter and that, uh, as Gavin says, uh, Truth Social is where he will be uh, hanging uh, for want of a better term. Uh, so that brings us to our uh, tips, tricks, roundup of uh, things that you can do with your tech. And, uh, you know, um, I've, you know, I, before we started recording this, I had to uh, restart my computer. And I don't do that very often. Something I would do even less is restart my phone. It's something that I've never really had to do for a long time. For You know, back in the old days of smartphones and things, we'd restart our phones quite regularly when they started getting slow and stuff. But uh, the, the phone I have now, the, the Oppo, it's... Uh, I can't remember the last time I had to restart it, and I certainly haven't had to restart it for it running slow. Uh, I think I was, it was probably trying to get rid of an app the last time I restarted it. Um, 
Now, the reason we don't do that very often is because the, um, the resources available to phones have increased over the years. There was a time when uh, mobile phones had very little RAM, which begs the question, how much does a smartphone need in terms of RAM? I think I'm right in saying this phone has 12 gigabytes, which seems to me to be too much. 12 uh, is definitely in the upper sphere of where smartphone RAM is at these days. Um, there are devices out there with 16 gig of RAM. Yeah. Um, but these are predominantly smartphones that are you know, marketed for like gaming and stuff like that. Sure. So there is like a specific tier of you know, smartphone gaming. Some people really love gaming on their smartphones. And, and for some people, it's the only gaming they can get hold of. So it makes sense to put a bit more money into it or whatever and, you know, well, get a, a premium experience. On that point, quick sidestep, what do you think of gaming on the mobile? Um, you know what? I do game on my mobile, but I do a lot of retro gaming. So right. uh, I play like um, SNES and Game Boy games and um, PlayStation 1 games and what have you. So right. I was recently on a long haul flight uh, and I played through most of the original Grand Theft Auto, <laughs> which was <laughs> great, great fun. And like such a fun thing to do on a smartphone because the screen size and the quality of your screen is really good. And because the old games can be like sampled up a bit, it works really, really well. So, wow. um, yeah, it's worth looking at. Okay. So, carry on. Smartphone RAM, how much do we need? Yeah, so smartphone RAM, most phones these days need between 6 gigabytes and 8 gigabytes of RAM. Uh, and most phones that you buy these days will just come with that regardless. So, even in 2014... Um, Apple was shipping phones with, I think, f four gigabytes of RAM, which was loads at the time. But yeah. they've only increased that amount to six gigabytes of RAM. And that's even with the, the iPhone 14, which was released in 2022. Uh, and so with an Apple device, they the... the uh, iOS is programmed so well, in my opinion, you know, that they, they don't need heaps of RAM and extra memory to do loads of stuff. You might not do a lot of gaming on an Apple phone, but for everything else, it's going to run really, really well. And that's because, yeah, Apple have programmed their operating system so well. Um, but you'll find a similar situation with most Android smartphones these days as well. Uh, so like your flagship Samsung smartphones, for instance, are probably going to come with about eight gigabytes of RAM. I think the latest Google Pixels come with either six gig or eight gigabytes. Um, the I've got a OnePlus Nord here, which I use as my daily driver. It's got eight gigabytes. So anything more than that, um, for the vast majority of people, it's just really not required. I've double checked. This definitely has 12 gigabytes of RAM. Yeah, is that the Oppo 8? Yeah, it actually says um, 12 gigabytes plus 4 gigabytes. So does that mean it's using 4 gigabytes of the storage as RAM? Oh, interesting. Or maybe it has, does it have 4 gigabytes of video RAM? That doesn't seem likely or possible. I, I don't know, to be honest. I'd have to look at the specs to, um, to, yeah, to see. That's interesting, though. Um, so, yeah, I... Um, I was playing with my, I mean, we're talking about resources. And I think you're absolutely right. I think it's, um, in terms of the Apple phones, they, they do tend to make better use of the RAM. And they're, they're more optimized, aren't they, for that? And I think that probably comes with them all being 
developed and released by the same company rather than there being lots and lots of different manufacturers using the same operating system, which is the case with Android. Um, it puts me in mind of the old days of uh, computing, back in the 16-bit days, when you would um, have something like the Commodore Amiga or a, a game console and the uh, like the SNES or the Mega Drive slash Genesis and the developers of the games would yeah they would really fit as much into those games as they could knowing that they had a very very specific uh system requirements conversely uh developers of uh, pc um ibm compatibles they knew that their devices that they were um designing developing for were expandable so they could you know, they could produce a game of a particular standard and then they could also produce that game to do, to require more requirements. And there's more of a, less of a, um, a focus on the requirements of a, like a static system and more of a just make something that can then be, maybe uh, has an, a better version. But at the same time, I think that, 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 that brings a different philosophy into the whole development, doesn't it? Because you're not developing for a, static hardware you're developing for hardware that can be expanded and then you're less there's going to be there's going to be creep isn't there basically oh yeah definitely and you see things like um so something like google chrome i think is always a good example um directly relating to what you were talking about so developers working within an extremely uh, confined system and then you have something modern now like the google chrome browser which is just like monstrous in the way that it yeah. uses ram uh and you know if you bought something now that had you know if you bought a laptop with eight gigabytes of ram and used google chrome you might still end up like almost running out of ram at times which yeah, just yeah. seems absurd you know i was just looking up then as well as you were talking about the old systems and the original playstation shipped with two megabytes of ram wow like two mega megabytes <laughs> you know which is just bonkers isn't it um I remember but it sitting, shows what they could do. I remember sitting playing the Aliens game on the PlayStation for hours. They're fantastic games. Absolutely yeah. fantastic. You know. and I it, love uh, old PlayStation 1 games. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a good game. And, I, you know, two megabytes, though. Amazing yeah, that you did that with two megabytes. Wow. So, yeah, so that's mobile phone RAM. Um, how much do you need? I mean, it, it, I mean, this this also brings us to that, that sort of angle of, um, you know, buying a mobile phone. How much RAM do you need? I suppose it depends what you want out of your phone, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, if you just want a phone that's going to do, you know, texting, calling, basic web browsing, WhatsApp or whatever, like you just go for a mid-tier phone. You don't even need six gigabytes. You'll get away with four uh, and you could probably save yourself a heap of money in the process, you yeah. know. So the old, old, um, the iPhone eight that's still running the latest version of iOS, iOS sixteen, and it has two gigabytes of RAM, and it will work absolutely fine. Wow, that's some going. Yeah, it's really impressive. That's what's saying about iOS. Like, I've been an Android user for donkeys at this point, but I've always thought iOS is a really, really good operating system. Okay, we'll move on now to parent another mobile phone topic, actually, parental control software. Uh, recently, I've taken a look at the best parental control apps that are available on Android phones. And I'm going to go through the list of them, and I'm going to tell you the ones that I prefer. Uh, so you've got Kids Place, you've got Secure Teen Parental Control, you've got Screen Time, you've got Kids Zone Parental Control, you have Custodio, you have Google Family Link, 
you have Amazon Parent Dashboard, and you have FamiSafe. Now, uh, a lot of these are very good. They all have subscriptions available, but the key things is that they all use the built-in parental control software of the Android operating system anyway. So the ba in many ways, they're, although they add bells and whistles in the, uh, the, the consoles uh, of the websites, um, of the, the administration app that the parents have, basically, they kind of piggyback on the operating system. So that aside, they're all good choices. My personal preferences are Google Family Link and Amazon Parent Dashboard because those are the ones that I've used and I know how good they are. Before I go into those, do you use any? Uh, I also, I was using Google Family Link uh, and I used it exclusively because I only have, um, only my eldest child has a personal smartphone. Um, the other ones just have the use of family devices, so I don't um, feel the need to, you know, track them quite as much. Right. Um, but she recently switched, she switched, we switched her <laughs> to an iPhone just because I had one lying around on the battery on her old Android was completely, uh, completely dead. Um, and so now I need to install something else on her iPhone so that I can continue, you know, monitoring and stuff. Uh, and I haven't quite done that yet. So this list is very interesting. <laughs> well, happy to help. Um, I, um, well, well, the key thing to note here really is that with the, uh, the Amazon option, uh, it only works on Amazon tablets. There's, um, there is a, well, it doesn't, have, no, rephrase that. The Amazon option I've only used on Amazon tablets, but you can install it on other devices as well. Um, but it's, just part, it's part of the Amazon, um, Amazon Kids Plus which comes with a $4.99 subscription for Prime members and $7.99 subscription for non-Prime members. Amazon Parent Dashboard is quite good, but it's not. it has advantages. So you can set daily time limits. You can modify uh, web browser access. You can specify time limits for different types of app as well. So you can, you can also set them as um, priority. So you could insist that the, um, the child does some reading before they're then able to watch video or listen to music or whatever. So that's kind of useful with the Amazon Parent Dashboard. But also, at the same time, it's not quite as granular with specific apps as Google's um, Family Link is. You can specifically block or put limits on, um, on whichever app that you want with Google Family Link, along with uh, restricting access to particular times, um, restricting types of access, blocking internet access and things like that. I prefer Google Family Link because of the app-specific things that you can do. Um, the only comparative feature on Amazon Parent Dashboard is that you can limit types of app. So, for instance, if my eldest daughter has an Amazon tablet and I can restrict video, but only on Amazon Prime. If I want to restrict video on Disney Plus, then I have to block her from using all apps, or rather oh, all third-party okay. apps, you see. So it's not yeah. as granular as it is with Google Family Link. But as I say, it has better control options for, you know, you can kind of reward specific apps and things by the child reading or listening to an audiobook or whatever oh that's an interesting feature in itself though like you can give them a little like boost or bump or whatever yeah they both they both have the option of bonus time as well so but uh, yeah uh -huh. so I, basically i've got my eldest son is using an android tablet so we use google family link for him um his twin sister's using the amazon parent dashboard because she's or rather, we're using the Amazon Parent Dashboard for her because she has an Amazon tablet. And 
our youngest also has an Amazon tablet, so quite a bit of experience with both of them. I, I like them both, and I've got no complaints over either. Seriously, they're mm. both as good as each other. They just have, one does one thing better, and the other does another thing better, basically. And I think that's the case with all of these. Sometimes it's you do just have to try a couple, don't you, just to figure yeah. out which works best, just for your specific situation, because uh, you know every child and every parent has different expectations about what they'll be doing with the tablet, and the child's going to use it in a different way, so. Off, yeah, check, check a few out, I think. So that brings us to our recommendations, the part of the show in which myself and whoever I'm hosting with, in this occasion it's uh, Gavin Phillips, give you a recommendation. It's a, it's a sample of something that we've experienced electronically over the past week and then, you know, give you a link to it, give you a little uh, explanation as to why we're suggesting it. Who's going first, Gavin? Uh, I can go first if you want. Yeah, okay, go on then. I don't mind. Uh, so this week, uh, I've mainly been playing uh, Factorio. My goodness, it's addictive. Oh, I've heard of this. <laughs> yeah, so it's the it's the factory building game. You uh, you've you've crash landed on a planet, uh, and you have to build up your factory to to get back off the planet to to launch a rocket. Uh, also inhabiting the planet are um, uh, aliens, basically, uh, um, who. Do not like the pollution that you create with your uh, massive factory. And so you go around the, the planet um, and you, you mine various resources, iron, copper, rock, uh, uranium uh, and so on. And you can build like really like quite incredibly large factories uh, and really like quite complex systems within these factories um, using all sorts of different gadgets and whatnot. But there's um, circuitry built into it, so you can build programmable areas. Uh, and there are, um, I can't remember the name of the feature, but you can basically customise it to such a degree that people have built computers with inside Factorio and use them to display other things. So one of the most famous instances was someone built a huge screen within Factorio and used it to show um, Darude's sandstorm. <laughs> um, and you can do all sorts of bonkers stuff with it. Similar to how um, people have used the redstone in in minecraft to build fantastical machines that you think you probably shouldn't be able to build within a video game um but but you you absolutely can um it has just undergone a price increase for the first time in its entire history right uh which is odd because normally after a while games tend to decrease in price um and it's gone from 30 to 35 dollars which is you know, it's basically unheard of for games to increase in price some six years after its release or so. Um, six years? Oh, no, not even six years. Well, the full version was released three years ago, but it had been in development for a long time before that as well. Okay. Um, but for the amount of hours you were guaranteed to get out of this game, I still think even $35 is a very, very good price for it. It's um, You will easily spend hundreds upon hundreds of hours playing this game so wow but get in there <laughs> okay um that i mean that sort sounds like the sort of game that i would like so uh one of the reviews here factorio is like crack but better yes absolutely yeah i guess uh, i mean not having ever tried crack i couldn't really compare it but 
There's another one, basically crack, but legal and cheap. I'm concerned about some of these Steam users, uh, to be honest. <laughs> well, you see on the... So there's the uh, Factorio subreddits uh, and, you know, other forums... And people say, oh, I've got to a thousand hours, you know, which is a lot to play one game. And people go, oh, good, you're just getting started then. <laughs> um, there's one, I, I, I don't know. I think, I'm pretty sure that when you see a review on Steam that says you how many hours the person has played, it's about that game. There's a person here called TM has played 3,266.5 hours yeah, on Factorio. That's... That figures because you you can start off very small and your first base will be a mishmash squiggly lines called spaghetti. That's what people refer it to. You know, you're just trying to fit everything everywhere. And as you get better at the game, you'll build more advanced factories with better planning. And once you've done it once, you kind of go, ah, I could have done that bit better. So you just start again. And also um, it has a prolific modding scene. So once you've completed the main game, and the goal of the main game is to launch the the, the rocket, um, there are like total overhaul mods as well. So you can get ones that add um, additional planets that you need to fly to, or ones that add loads of new resources uh, and loads of new factory types and, and all sorts of stuff. So it can just go on and on and on. It's um, it's, it's quite an incredible game. I, I, did, I, I don't even think I've been on Steam for that many hours. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, it's phenomenal, isn't it? It is, it is, it is. Okay, um, now, I I don't want to give another video game specifically as a recommendation because um, it gets a bit one note if we do that. However, there has been, as many people listening may know, uh, the re-release of GoldenEye 007 on Nintendo Switch and on Xbox over the past few days. So if you have the uh, Nintendo Switch Online Plus Expansion Pack, or if you have Xbox Game Pass, you can play GoldenEye 007, uh, which was initially... Um, the Xbox version was supposed to come out in 2008, and then it was supposed to come out on a collection called Rare Replay in 2015, but neither of those, it didn't actually transpire to appear at either time. And the Nintendo version is the Nintendo 64 version, which released back, I mean, they're both the Nintendo 64 version, essentially, uh, which released back in 1997. Now, you know, you can go ahead and pick those up, but what I'm more interested in sharing is the, um, the kind of the making of documentary that was produced for that rare replay compilation in 2015 it's a uh, documentary about the making of the goldeneye 007 game it's a really good documentary it gives you a good insight as to uh, how games like that were built uh, back in the 1990s uh it was originally intended to be an on rails game gavin uh like time crisis wow i didn't know that no really? i didn't either yeah so uh, there's a there's a lot of information, uh, interesting information in that documentary that's worth uh, checking out. So I'll include a link to that in the show notes. And uh, funnily enough, I'm just off to play GoldenEye now. Um, so uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a bit of a blast from the past returning to that. I actually played it a few uh, a couple of years ago with the leaked version. I had to look at that, and. Uh, it had a kind of um, this was for the X this was the Xbox version. You could play the leaked version in an Xbox 
One or Xbox 360 emulator called uh, Xenia. And that version had a sort of an updated graphics overlay that you could instantly switch between the original Nintendo 64 graphics and sort of Xbox 360 appropriate graphics. But that option isn't in the uh, Xbox version that you can play now. Oh, Oh, is, so it, what? So it's just old, old graphics all the way. It's old graphics, but polished up. It's like upscaled, uh, and, oh, a, yeah. and a widescreen mode. But uh, yeah, those those new graphics aren't available, which is a bizarre omission because they were one of the most interesting things about the 2008 unreleased version. But uh, there you go. Uh, so th- everything we've discussed in the really useful podcast you'll find in the show notes. If we've uh, helped you in any way or we've said something that you think will help a friend, share them, get them involved in listening to our podcast. And we'll be back for another edition next time. Until then, it's goodbye from us. (laughs) 